Welcome to Make Up Your Life with me, Devon, as your host. Today, we have another amazing guest on our show, Victoria Stiles. Hi, everybody. Yeah, welcome, Victoria. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I can't wait for our listeners to hear about your journey and just some pivotal points in your life um, that really were were life-changing and career-changing. So just to give a a brief introduction um, and a very lengthy uh, resume, I'll just kind of break it down. Um, You have been featured since 2012, sorry, in the Washington, Washingtonian. Washingtonian, yeah. (laughs) Washingtonian (laughs) magazine here in Washington, D.C. Yes. Okay. I'm going to, I'm just not going to say it because it's a tongue twister for me. But anyways, what is that magazine about? So it is a magazine local here to the DC market, um, but it features a lot of local, local businesses, local stories. Um, It highlights um, vendors uh, across the board for weddings and events. And for Washingtonian magazine, I've received the best wedding vendor award since 2012 for hair and makeup, for makeup. Nice. Okay. So now we know what that is. Uh, You developed your own technique in applying cosmetics and began a career path as a makeup artist post-graduation. What does that mean, your own technique? Um, I found that a lot of styles uh, other artists were doing was very heavy and very contoured and um, just very uh, like almost a character, not character makeup, but very dramatic use of makeup and what I like to do is I really like to enhance someone's natural beauty so I like to do very soft uh, makeup concentrating on the skin um, really highlighting someone's natural beauty so that's what I like to do with makeup got you okay so while attending college at George Mason University in Virginia you secured a position with Estee Lauder Company and did event and stage makeup. Yep. You o- you also provided makeup services for concert productions, including people like Cher and Missy Elliott. Um, you started your own business providing on-location makeup and services for events in particular. Worked with publications such as Glamour, Vogue, Bambini, Surface, Oprah Magazine, Capital File, JCK Luxury, Virginia Living, and The Washington- Washingtonian. <laughs> Yes. Uh, you worked with Verve Music Group's Melody Gardo? Melody Gardo, yes. She's a jazz musician. She's based in Paris, and I worked with her for her album cover in Paris. Nice. Yeah, that was an amazing trip. I, I would imagine I have not been there. Uh, worked at New York Fashion Week, providing makeup for designers, um, chosen as a presenter for the Powder Group, lead hair and makeup artist for International Broadcast Network, uh, EWTN guide, got beauty guide at Lime Life. Um, you own Victoria Styles here in Makeup LLC, and you provide makeup for celebrities, red carpet events, political figures. Which I was gonna, you know, talk about next. How you have, you're often working with political figures, yes. and you worked with Pence and Biden and Eric Trump. Um, and I love the little line you shared earlier about keeping politics out of powder. Yes, yes. Keeping politics out of powder because I work on both sides of the aisle. I actually have worked also with Bernie Sanders. I did his makeup for the cover of Time magazine. And I worked with Elizabeth Warren for her shoot with Annie Leibovitz for Vogue back in August of 2019. So you kind of are the, are you sought out? Are you a sought after 
artist in particular for these high profile political figures? I would say I'm definitely one of the go-tos. Yeah, it seems that <laughs> yeah. way. I mean, you've got some pretty heavy hitters on your list. Yeah, yeah. I Amazing. I really enjoy it. And it's all about just, you know, keeping it professional and also having a sanitary kit. <laughs> yes. That's probably a lot of the reason they bring you back. Yes. Um, so let's start with bringing you way back to when you first discovered your love or your interest for makeup. Yes. <laughs> I think I mentioned this in our Instagram, um, lot, or, or, or our IGTV story, um, what was that, last month, how it was my friend's um, my neighbor who was babysitting me and she had this old makeup palette from like some random company like Merle Norman or something. And it was that palette that was just so inspiring me at five years old. Um, I was obsessed from that moment. Yeah. And so what do you think the obsession was? It was the color. It was the application. I'm just curious. I immediately recognized at five years old, the, magical powers that makeup can have <laughs> ah, it can make you I feel pretty it can make you it can kind of put an extra you know bump in your step and it can um just lift your mood you can you know highlight and create things on your face to just enhance your beauty like I just I recognize that at five years old how you can just transform a look with this palette well, that's amazing. I don't know that I had that intuition at five years old. So tell me, what was your journey from there? Did you go to makeup school? Did you, um, you know, where, where did you go from five? From right? five. Okay, so <laughs> from five years old, I know. <laughs> well, obviously, um, makeup was always a passion. And so every every time I go to the store, with, and my, my dad was always the one that spoiled me. My mother was a little bit more conservative with that. But my I would go to uh, the grocery store with my dad, and I remember... 13 years old, grabbing anything I could, wet and wild, eyeliners, uh, wet and wild, eyeshadows, and just being like, Daddy, please. And um, anyway, so that was that was 13 with the wet and wild. But um, it was later on, actually, in my teens that I was I was started to do makeup on my friends. And it was my best friend's mother when I was about, I guess, 16, 17 years old, who said I was doing her, her my friend's makeup for prom. And her mother said, you have a great talent. You should really pursue a career in makeup artistry. And I'm like, really? Like, I didn't even know that that was even a thing. And then I started picking up magazines, YM magazine back in the day, um, 17, you know, those types of magazines. And then I noticed there's people actually credited for doing the makeup. So I'm like, well, this must be a job. People are credited for this. And this is before the internet. Like this is before like people were online and like posting, you know, this makeup, that makeup, or I'm doing this work or that work. Like I just, you just really had to really research and see like what was happening. Like there wasn't like the information wasn't readily available. Um, right. And I remember seeing a name, Tom Pichu, and I'm like, wow, he's amazing. Um, this makeup artist is incredible. And when I, the essay letter company I started working with out of, uh, and during college was Mac cosmetics. And um, I then started doing a lot of work through Mac cosmetics, doing the Missy Elliott show and that type of thing. The share show we did backup dancers for them. Um, and then after Mac and I started freelancing, I still kept in touch with Mac 
And I got on their list to be one of their makeup artists for fashion week. And I, with my own money would go back and forth to New York and I called it an investment in my craft. And I did get a, a little bit of a, you know, compensation for the show, but it, you know, oftentimes didn't really cover the travel expenses. But at that point I was like, I'm investing in my work. And I got to work under Tom Fischu on his team. And that was really wow. a d- dream come true. So um, I'm sorry. I feel like I've, I've gone off on this tangent. But <laughs> no, this is, this is, I mean, this is what we love to know. That's the, the whole point of our show is to really reveal the journey. And, and this is so important on how you got there. So no, keep, keep going. Um, so I, uh, you also, you have to really be choosy about what you take for a lower price or for pro bono, that type of thing. Um, but that, 100%. that's the kind of stuff that you really need to do in the beginning. And oftentimes artists overlook that or they say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. If you can afford to take the gig and it's something that's going to be notable on your resume, I highly encourage to do that. Yeah. Um, I know it really is a bummer. <laughs> And well, let me ask you this. How would you because we say this to our students all the time, you know, there's going to be things that you have to do for free, a pro bono, complimentary, whatever word you want to use, you're not getting paid. right. Um, and so how do you what advice would you give as far as deciphering what is beneficial? Because I, I was in that position. I, I had a years ago, there's a um, magazine called Our Magazine that's local. And there was this whole shoot, they wanted me to do pro bono, and I would get credit, but it was like a bathing suit spread, you were not going to see the faces at all. And then I had heard that, you know, they don't really pay, they're looking for just exchange, right. you know, in publication. So I felt like, you know what, at this point in my career, this is just no, not for me. Um, and I also did bridal. So it wasn't going to enhance my I wasn't looking to do print. So would you what advice would you give as far as having a checklist on maybe, you know, what is deserving of your time and worth um, giving? Right versus things you have to just cut out because they're not going to be beneficial? Um, I would definitely, so in terms of what, what are you, what are you going to get out of this? What's the product? So obviously you're not going to do a free bathing suit shoot where they're cutting the heads off. Okay. Cause you can't right. use that in your portfolio. Right. You want portfolio uh, usable images to come from your free work or something of substance to add to your resume. So for instance, with the New York Fashion Week where I was just going from show to show, I was maybe only getting, I was getting paid. It was like maybe, I don't even remember, but it really, it wasn't that much. But I had to pay my expenses to go back and forth between DC and New York and the train ride isn't cheap. I really don't like the bus. <laughs> so I would always, yeah. yeah, I would always take the train and the train isn't that cheap. So um I wasn't necessarily getting images. I would try to pull images off of um, like Getty and stuff to like runway images. But generally I didn't use runway images on my website because they weren't always like the greatest. So what I would use was the, you know, the stamp of working under this person for this fashion show and to have that name on my resume and to have like this designer on my resume, you know, um, was really good. Um, I have definitely done free editorials in the past. Um, we have a magazine 
uh, called Virginia Living. And that was actually my first editorial, but it was this beautiful, big, glossy magazine, beautiful images. The, the photographer was amazing. It was a two day fashion shoot. And I, it was, I remember it being my, one of my first editorials. And I was just like, I mean, everyone in the community, the makeup artist community here in DC, they were like, that is awesome. You have this like fashion editorial. It was just like the bee's knees back in like 2010. So, yeah. um, but like yeah. that was worth my time, my energy, my, my, uh, my makeup, my products, everything, because I got an entire spread out of it. And it was like, a, it was great. So when you have photographers, when you're first starting out, you, you have a lot of photographers ask you, oh, will you do this for free or do that for free or whatever. Even if the photographer isn't published, I still would like look at their work. Like, is it, are these going to be images that I would be proud to show on my website? Are these, is this going right. to be a good product for me? I would always try to find photographers that were already published that were looking for a free makeup artist for like a test shoot or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you're first starting off, it is hard because you will get a lot of people asking you to do things for free and you do have to be very picky. Um, and it's, and don't feel bad about being picky. I mean, this is your time and your products and everything. So you want to make sure it's a good right. investment. So when did you finally arrive at, wow, I can make a full-time living at this because we all know in the beginning, you're kind of juggling some, some people are in food service. Some people are strictly in makeup, but doing anything that, you know, cleaning cosmetics to assisting to, you know, picking up your own gigs. So when did you uh, finally know, okay, I, okay, I can make a decent or a good living and not have to, you know, float for it. When I started turning down consistently full day rate commercial bookings for $600 a day, because I had another job where I was making $15 an hour. Yeah. That's when I found that this was a, that I could do a full time out of this. Yes. Right. And when I say commercial, I say like, there's, I live in the DC area, so there's a lot of like video productions for companies, um, government contractors, that type of thing. And they were paying full day rates of like $600 a day. And I was consistently turning right. it down for like a $15 an hour job. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So that's when I, I left full time. Uh, I left employment in 2007 and went completely freelance. And then it was just a couple of years ago, three, a little over three years ago, I took the, I went back, not back, but like I took the head makeup artist position for a, um, a, a news network here. And I absolutely love it. So I am now employed. I'm not freelance anymore. I do still do some freelance, but I am with a television station now. Nice. And, and well, that might give you peace of mind knowing that you're, well, now I'm older. So yeah. let's just, you know, I can tell my age I'm now. So when I started everything, when I started, um, I was just freshly 21 when I started freelancing, really freelancing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm now 42. So I yeah. have done all the freelance. I've done that whole thing. And so now I'm in this position where now I'm, you know, the head of this, uh, the makeup room. And, you know, it's, it's good in my, in my age bracket to then have that, you know, so. Yeah. 
So what were a few pivotal moments during your journey that changed your life and your career? Anything that really stands out where it, it, it you know, changed the course of your journey? Really, it was when I started working with um, political figures. I think one of my first times, where, when I, one of my first bookings with pol- politics was for Time Magazine. And it was back in um, when uh, we were the first time Obama was up for election and I was doing a lot of different senators then for, for time and everything. And then I got a booking um, for during the Obama inauguration. I worked with um, Deborah Norville for Inside Edition. <laughs> we were on the rooftop of the Capitol. And that was probably one of my biggest bookings to date at that time. And biggest meaning like money or just influence? Money, or... influence. Yeah. I mean, like to be working the, um, like to be working the inauguration here in DC was a big deal. Yeah. Well, it's a big deal. Even if right. you're not in DC, <laughs> yes. right? Pretty big event. Right, right, right. So yes. Um, so that was, um, that was definitely like a, a turning point there. And that's, was really when I started working with more, more political figures. And then I met Elizabeth Warren uh, years ago. I actually was hired to do her makeup for Time Magazine. And she ended up really enjoying the way I did her makeup. She really likes, she doesn't like a lot of makeup. She likes her skin. She just likes to just look like her. And so then she requested me for her glamour shoot and then requested me for her Vogue shoot. So it was pretty awesome. That is awesome. Tell me how you felt with your first political figure. Were you super nervous? Were you, was it like any other client? How did you feel? I really didn't feel super nervous. I'll tell you the first time, one of my first, um, you know, high profile people that I, I worked for was Roberta Flack. And I want to say that was back in like 2008. And I was so nervous. I was my first like real high profile. She's a singer. You know, she does, she's the original, um, Killing me softly. I can't sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, that I, I remember shaking. <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> but no, with the with the politicals, I just the politicals. I just really, I, I'm not nervous. And um, yeah, I mean, everybody's just been really nice. I, I've never had like a bad experience or anything like that. So I would imagine is the secret service involved in that or do they like have you do all these kind of background? Ch- what do they do to prepare you in order to work with a high? Yeah. You have to go through a background, a background check. Um, especially now, like I, I do work for a television station and we have a tent that's actually on the white house grounds. And it um, it's for like, you'll see oftentimes like when you watch CNN or MSNBC or what, whatnot, they'll, shoot over to their White House correspondent and you'll see the White House in the background. That's a real shot. They're really on the White House grounds. So every time I enter mm. the White House grounds, I have to, if I'm scheduled, um, they, they put me through a background check and then, yeah, they have to search everything. Um, when I worked with Mike Pompeo, I had to pull my car into the garage and they brought out the bomb dogs to sniff sniff the and then like the big mirror that goes underneath the car you know like to see if there's anything around your car yeah so I always make sure my car's cleaned out and I don't have like a bunch of stuff everywhere (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I obviously they have to do yes. that in order to maintain Absolutely. security, but it's funny to, you know, think about like, okay, here's a makeup artist going in to do her job for the day. And, you know, she's going to get frisked and her car is going to get, you know, <laughs> checked out and it's just crazy to hear. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, um, who were your biggest influencers or mentors? Maybe somebody that really um, helped you along in your career or guided you in the right way or, or gave you a really amazing opportunity? I would say a woman named Suzanne Patterson. Um, she is, uh, she's been, she was a makeup artist for decades, um, decades before I started becoming a makeup artist. She runs Paint and Powder Cosmetics and the company is based here in DC, but she supplies makeup to um, television productions, stuff out in LA. She's an Emmy award-winning makeup artist herself. Um, she was really instrumental in helping me build my kit initially and give me advice and career direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you still in touch with her? Till, unfortunately, till I haven't. Or? I haven't been in touch with her recently. Um, her, um, she has. As far as I know, she's still. Um, the store's still really busy. Um, she does online sales um, through the paintandpowdercosmetics.com. So, um, and then she, I know she was doing classes and everything, but now with COVID, um, she. I'm sure she doesn't do that right now. Um, but she would host big makeup tutorial classes, airbrush classes. She does a lot of special effects. Um, she's very talented. Yeah. Nice. And so when, when did you? I met her? her. I don't, I can't even remember like how I even came across Suzanne. Um, I want to say I met her probably back in like 2005 when I, around the time I left Mac to become a freelance, um, she didn't live far from me and it might've been something where I reached out to her. Um, her website would always come up first. Like if you Googled like makeup artist, DC, like her website would always come up. She might've reached out to me to do, to fill in some things because she would always get a lot of like government type stuff. Um, she actually booked me early on for Newt Gingrich (laughs) She had like a commercial shoot for new kid grants that she was supposed to do. And she booked me instead. So, um, yeah, I mean, so she, I was, uh, yeah, I was acquainted with her for, for several years and I, I just remember, I just, I really needed to circle back with her cause I haven't talked to her real recently, but yeah, she was really instrumental. How did you, how did you end up? Well, I'm actually born and raised in Fairfax and I just actually never ended up leaving. Um, so I was Fairfax, Virginia. Yeah. And I was living in Virginia up Mm -hmm. until three years ago and then I moved into the district. So I actually live not far from president Trump. (laughs) And was that a good move for you? I mean, are you happy? I love living in the city. It's great. And, um, most of my, so most of my work was just here. So I don't know if you're familiar with Washington DC traffic. It's not, it's probably not as bad as New York or LA, but it's, it's pretty bad. Um, but getting over the bridges and from Virginia to DC, um, especially when you're in a rush is a little hectic. So doing that day after day was yeah. really wearing on me. So I said, you know what, I'm making the move, moving into the city. And that's what I did. And I love it. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I wondered, you know, how you ended up, I, I didn't realize even, you know, talking with you now, how much work there is in DC. I don't know what, you know, we always concentrate on LA, New York, Atlanta, and we never talk about DC. So I, I'm so excited to um, expose that the DC area. It's just a different kind of work. I mean, you're working, you're, it's, you're doing it's mostly male grooming, very light makeup, makeup for videos, you know, that kind of thing. And we did have a lot of events here before COVID. Um, we have visiting celebrities. Um, we've, I mean, we've had, I mean, I did uh, Jenna Elfman, you know, she was doing something here. Um, Patricia Arquette, she was doing something here. Um, you know, so people do come here for things like big celebrities. Yeah. It's really awesome. So, everybody defines their has, has a different definition of success. Um, some it's monetary, some it's uh, a client list, a portfolio, a resume. When do you feel you reached success? Uh, when I, when I just didn't even realize it was payday or when a check came in the mail and I was like, Oh, great. Okay, cool. A check. Like, <laughs> when all my bills are on auto pay and I didn't have to think about it. Yeah. So finally um, reaching a level that was right. beyond comfort. Yeah. Just being or, right. Or and not survival. just being like, okay, like hounding people for like, you know how when you're a freelance and then you're just like, you know, a month goes by, you're like, Hey, we're 30 days out. Where's my, where's my check? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, what do you think the future holds for you? Because you've done some pretty big names. I think, you know, in terms of what you've shared with us, you accomplished a lot of what you had hoped, which is having, you know, consistent, a consistent paycheck and having consistent work. And uh, so what is the future? So what does that look like? Right now. Um, so what I, so at my age right now, 42, um, I'm really looking to wrap things up within the next 10 years um, like 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. So, uh, future and, uh, right now, um, I am, um, enjoying working with the station. I plan to stay with the station for a while. Um, and I would like to possibly do some type of partnership with a cosmetic company. A lot of people always ask me, why don't you make your own line? I'm like, there's so many lines. Like, it's just, it's basically yeah. like the same thing, you know, like it's just different texture, different, you know, a little bit of different consistency or whatnot. But a lot of these, I think it's all marketing, marketing. a lot of these brands, they use the same manufacturer. Yeah. Um, so I'd really love yeah. to, I really love to partner with a brand and just maybe do like do a promotional with them, that type of thing. Um, I enjoy I enjoy a lot of different things. Um, that is not that is not just makeup. I love photography. I love fashion. I love I love the whole thing. So, um, I started working a little bit on my Instagram, doing some stuff that were like fashiony oriented. I just I love photographing dresses and handbags and you know perfumes and stuff like that. And I just find that to be like really fun. So I'd like, <laughs> I've been seeing your new posts and I always like them. I'm like, <laughs> I have a lot of fun with it. And I think that that's at that point, I'm at that point right now where I just, I'm, I'm, I'm 
done all the legwork. It's time for me to have fun. So um, yeah. I'm having fun. <laughs> that can happen too, right? When you're so concentrated on just making a living, even if it's something you love doing, it's still, you know, in this line of work anyways, with such uncertainty, it, you can easily get yeah. wrapped up into that. So, so, so yeah, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to work with a cosmetic company. Um, I really want to do maybe just some more stuff with like social media. Um kind of concentrate more on that. Um, I, I really enjoy social media. I used to talk a lot about social media marketing with the powder group um, prior to like all these things coming about. At the time, I think it was just Twitter and Facebook that were just like the big things. And um, I was yeah. like one of the first people to get onto Twitter. And I don't know if you'll notice, but like on Twitter, I have like something like 20 something thousand followers. I'm like, and that was just from the beginning when I started tweeting and I was doing a lot of stuff with fashion week and everybody was on Twitter then. And I feel like now Twitter is more like media focused. Like they have a, a lot of like news and news anchors are tweeting. It's more like newsy kind of stuff on Twitter. Um, Instagram I'm feeling is more like makeup, fashion, beauty, you know, fragrance, that kind of thing. And that's what I really like. So I'm just kind of playing around with, with Instagram right now and <laughs> kind of like hopefully uh, can nail down something, a, a next project with that. So. Yeah. Um, what is your, what does a day look like when you say you go to the station? What does that look like? What time do you start? What do you, do you have to, I'm sure there's certain. With COVID it's been, COVID, but yeah, with COVID it's been a little bit, a little bit different. Um, and I'm very thankful I am very grateful for this station that has actually taken care of all of their people through this pandemic. And I, um, I, I feel like I made a really good choice a few years ago by taking on this position because if I was just strictly freelance, it might've been a different picture for me um, in terms of, you know, my lifestyle or whatnot. Um, and uh, so Prior to COVID, I would go in like about 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I would work either in the station or be sent over to Capitol Hill or the White House for different media hits, um, and then circle back to the station. And then we wrap around 5 o'clock, 5.30. So, yeah. Okay. So not, not too crazy. And so are you, are you in charge of hiring everyone? So it's a smaller or? news station. Um, I, we do utilize freelancers for various um, television hits and um, I'm not in it, I, I'm not the final approval for everybody, but I definitely like go through and like book and then I'll have to like get everybody approved through like one of the higher ups. So, yeah. Got yeah. It sounds very interesting. <laughs> I never really thought of, I never have, I mean, in all my life, I don't know why I didn't think DC was a happening uh, area for there, it, it really is <laughs> yeah I think it's great so to wrap up our amazing conversation this is going to be so awesome for our listeners to just hear the the variance and possibility what piece of advice would you give to our listeners who are aspiring artists and trying to get their career off the ground because we know it's right. so easy to give up right and when you're just pounding the pavement, pounding the pavement, and you're just, nothing's breaking. 
Um, what what piece know of your market? Would you give to them? Know where you live. Um, so, for instance, like if you're out in the Midwest, uh, you know, obviously politics wouldn't be your thing. It might be more events or weddings. Uh, New York might be more fashion type stuff. L.A. might be more TV film. So the first thing to do is nail down your market and also um, train, get trained in that type of makeup for your market. So let's say you're out in L.A., you might want to take more special effects type classes. Um, Come up with a business plan. Once you figure out what you're going to do, um, figure out your your business plan in terms of, okay, so I'm going to be a TV makeup artist. Get trained for that. Mm-hmm. Put out the put out the feelers to other yeah. makeup artists who are in that field, who are more established. Offer your services to them. Offer your services to makeup artists, like I'll carry your bags or I'll clean your brushes or whatever, just to do like for a couple of days, just to see how their flow is. Talk with them. That's actually how you'll start to yeah. meet other people. Those makeup artists would then in turn probably start hiring you for different gigs, hiring you as an assistant or giving off work that they can't take. Um, yeah. And then from there, um, just consistency keep focus and never stop building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great advice. I love that. Well, thank you, Victoria, for your time. This was really, really so great and so inspirational. Um, I can't wait to have you back on. So yeah. We'll and see where I'm at. <laughs> and um, yeah. Thank you again for your time. We're just so grateful. And um, this was, another amazing podcast with our special guest. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Victoria. Bye.